¿Qué onda, guerreras? This is Aurea, and today's episode is on the use of Spanish during the presidential debate and internalized oppression within Latinx communities. I promise to make this a good one. Last week, several Democratic candidates really wanted to show off their Spanish-speaking skills to the Miami audience during the presidential debates. If you don't know, there are two Latinos running for office, Julian Castro and Beto O'Rourke. But remember, I did say there were several candidates, and that's because Senator Cory Booker from New Jersey also chose to answer full debate questions in Spanish. See, this is the first Democratic presidential debate where candidates and the moderator had spoken in Spanish. The moderator, José Díaz Ballard from Telemundo, didn't shy away from putting these candidates on the spot, but I did notice he was intentional on who he was addressing in Spanish. Even after Beto and Corey uttered somewhat broken Spanish sentences at the debate, which Trevor Noah, love him, joked it was like going to a Mexican restaurant and your dad saying, hola, como estas, to the waiter. Please don't do that. Some Spanish language news shows like Telemundo and Univision said that this was a historic event. And I agree, you know, seeing presidential candidates speak in your language is a big deal. But let us not assume that this is real outreach to us. Don't misinterpret this gesture. There is a difference with addressing a nation's community for solidarity in another trying to gain their trust and vote through a facade of knowing their language. This is what some have called a form of his pandering. I totally get what they mean. And honestly, you should check out this incredible article with Angela Ocampo and Melissa Michelson, who are both badass Latinas in political science, totally love them, uh, where they write that signaling Spanish fluency is not enough to inspire the movement of Latinos to turn out to vote. Did you hear that? Candidates, are you listening to me? You speaking Spanish doesn't mean you're going to get the Latino vote. Check. Did you hear? Do I have to repeat this again? Because honestly, y'all, this is not what you should be doing to get the vote. To mobilize Latinos, this is going to be a whole different episode to talk about what actually gets Latinos to vote. Hopefully, I can get Gary or Matt to be in the episode. We'll see. So, going back to this. Even Julian Castro, another one of the candidates who is probably the most fluent in Spanish out of the candidates, had some trouble expressing himself in Spanish to the audience. And he recognized it, but he also addressed why there's less Latinos in the U.S. who are Spanish speakers. And I will totally get to that in a moment. Here are some quick facts on Spanish speaking in the U.S. About 41 million Latinos in the U.S. speak Spanish at home, making it the country's most common non-English language spoken. But while the number of Latinos who speak Spanish at home continues to increase due to the overall growth of the Latinx population, the share of Latinos who speak the language has declined over the past 10 years or so. According to a Pew Research Center analysis of Census Bureau data, 73% of Latinos spoke Spanish at home in 2015, compared to 78% in 2006. Now, think about it. From 2006 to 2015, the Latino population has definitely grown. So that 5% difference is actually millions of people. Now, second fact. Despite the drop-off in use of Spanish at home, most Latinos seem to agree that speaking Spanish is a vital skill. 
In a 2011 Pew Research Center survey, I love Pew Research Center, shout out to them, nearly all Latinos said it was important that the next generation of Latinos in the U.S. speak Spanish. Yet many of the respondents, 71% of them, said that it was not necessary to speak Spanish to be considered Latino. And I totally agree with that. You should not have to prove your Latinidad through language. And that is something I totally have to check the Latinx population on. If you don't speak Spanish, that doesn't make you any less Latino than the rest of us. Speaking the language and being fluent is a privilege. And we need to check ourselves on that. Moving on. While I criticize the use of Spanish for momentum during the presidential campaign, I also recognize that for many Spanish speakers, even if they are not fluent, the fact that the candidate spoke Spanish is a big deal. The fact that they also chose to take a chance and speak directly to the Latinx population, well, I appreciate it. But again, the gesture doesn't mean you're going to get the vote. But you know what also bothered me? I totally, I don't know if any of you noticed it, but only the men got asked questions in Spanish by the moderator. No woman was asked a question in Spanish. No woman was addressed in Spanish. And also, none of the women candidates thought about upstaging the others by proving they knew more Spanish, much like Corey tried to do in the first night. They saw how that ship sunk with Beto and Corey, and they were not going to do the same thing. Now, you may be thinking, Aurea, where are we going to go from here? I'm glad you asked, even if you didn't. Let me to introduce to you a concept us Latinx folks should check ourselves more on. And that's the fact that we diminish somebody's Latinidad because they don't speak Spanish or Spanish as well as we assume they should be doing. You may be thinking, where did I get this from? Well, in case you haven't seen the interview with Julian Castro, he brought up this term, internalized oppression. If you're not familiar with the term, internalized oppression is defined as the fact that when people who are oppressed in an ongoing manner for a long time come to believe the stereotypes and myths about their own group that are communicated and held as a norm from the dominant group. Ever heard your family say, oh, you know, we're not like that. We're not like those type of Latinos. But Latinos are criminals. Or Latinos get to do this. When you hear that in the family table, with your friends who actually believe the stereotypes that the dominant group has imposed upon you, upon them, and they don't recognize it, that's internalized oppression. Now, you all have heard by now that we have two Latinos running for president. Julian Castro, who is a former Secretary of Housing and Urban Development during the Obama administration, and Robert Francis, otherwise known as Beto O'Rourke, former congressman from Texas. In an interview with MSNBC's Casey Hunt, Julian Castro reminded us that the U.S. has a lot of history trying to keep Latinos from speaking Spanish. When Hunt asked Julian to explain why somebody who is of Latinx heritage might not speak Spanish, he told her it was all due to history. Not a lot of folks, not even us, may know that speaking Spanish in the U.S. is more accepted today than it was in the past. But there are still schools and workplaces who have rules to not speak Spanish within grounds. Let me play you a soundbite of what Julian said during his interview with Hunt. Say that you're practicing your Spanish. Uh, 
do you explain to people why, you know, you're standing on stage with Beto, who speaks Spanish, Cory Booker uh, clearly uh, tried to demonstrate that he spoke Spanish. You didn't grow up knowing Spanish. Why did that happen in your life? I mean, for, pe for people who don't understand why, you know, somebody of, of Latino heritage might not. Well, um, I guess the best place to start is to say that, that there are a lot of Latinos who have lived here for generations. You know, my grandma that I grew up with got here almost 100 years ago in 1922. And, you know, in my grandparents' time, in my mom's time, you know, Spanish was looked down upon. You were punished in school if you spoke Spanish. You were not allowed to speak it. People, I think, internalized this oppression about it and basically wanted their kids to first be able to speak English. And I think that in my family, like a lot of other families, that the residue of that, the impact of that, is that there are many folks whose Spanish is not that great. But today, my daughter, Karina, goes to a bilingual program and she goes there with people of different backgrounds in other words speaking a second language whether it's spanish or another language is celebrated today as something that we should admire and something that will help you um maybe get a get paid more at your job and you know is, is useful that also is a sign of progress i'm proud to live in a country where we've made that kind of progress in just a generation or two in this progress that Julian Castro talks about is something that I want us to focus on right now. Because this progress, we don't use this progress to empower our community. Our own hermanos and hermanas shame us for speaking Spanish. They shame us for not speaking Spanish. We are shamed for not speaking it perfectly. We're shamed because we're not being taught correctly. We're shamed for having an accent. We're shamed by our own. Shamed by others. Shamed for trying. But you know what? You don't have to prove your Latinidad to anybody. We are here. We exist. That's it. That is why it's so important to recognize and respect that when folks believe, you know, it's such a big deal that the presidential candidates spoke in Spanish, respect it, affirm it, you know, just recognize what they're trying to do, right? But think about it for a second. As we, right, and I say we as a very general term, saying we minorities, we have had to assimilate for survival, And just like Julian Castro said, his grandma, his mother, they, they try to teach them English so they would not be targeted, right? Assimilation was forced upon many of us. I know I had to make sure that I spoke perfect English and I wrote it great because I never wanted to be criticized for that, right? My immigrant story looks very different than a lot of folks. But I remember distinctly in my eighth grade class in U.S. history, my professor had me go into the front of the class and asked me in front of everybody, did I write this paper that I had submitted? And I said, well, yeah, I did, you know. And she said, wow, you write so well for a Mexican. And for a moment, I didn't know how to react. I said, oh, wow, thank you. As if that comment had been a compliment. Well, I didn't know much better, right? Nobody could say Aurea, so I went by Aria, and I still go by Aria, right? But the fact that somebody said that since I wasn't like the rest of my community, I was better, and I accepted it, 
till this day, I wish I could tell her, you don't have to do that, right? Because that is also a form of internalized oppression that I am oppressing my own community for thinking I am better than them. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And I need to recognize that. We all need to recognize that. So going back to internalized oppression. Listen, internalized oppression operates rather uniformly at both the group and individual levels, right? Both in our community and with ourselves, regardless of our ethnicity, our gender, or sexual orientation. However, it also manifests itself uniquely depending on the negative stereotypes it causes our particular group to internalize. As Julian Castro said, it was a form of exclusion to be, you know, to speak Spanish, right? There's some particularities of our internalized oppression and racism. And we share this unique experience of oppression and survival in the United States. Mexicans, Puerto Ricans, who constitute the largest and oldest Latinx communities within the United States, have been attacked, have been invaded, colonized, and exploited by the U.S. The oppressive behavior that was done unto us, we have continued unto ourselves. So it doesn't surprise me that minorities have often sought to pass as white, right? You know, quote-unquote white. It is survival instinct coupled with trying to assimilate, right? That pushes us to claim an identity that we are not, all right? And that is what Julian Castro was alluding to. Now, you will hear some folks in the Latinx community say, well, if you don't speak Spanish, like, how are you even Latino, right? If you don't eat these foods, how can you call yourself this? That, consciously or subconsciously, is you imposing your privilege of believing that you are more Latino, more part of the cultura, que eres mejor than the rest of us, right? Don't ever do that to yourself or to others. Why? Because of many levels throughout centuries where light skin and speaking a westernized language has been deemed as superior. You are deeming superior the fact of being more cultural, right? And that is not something that our community should be doing. We cannot afford that. We cannot afford competing against one another just because we do not share the language, right? We are distancing ourselves from our history without understanding why. Now that the stakes are higher because of such many negative stereotypes that there are about Latinos, we should not be the ones that accept the colonized mentality that we continue to engage in the actions consistent with internalized oppression. The movement for us to care for one another, to mobilize for our interests should be inclusive. These actions of excluding ourselves from within our own brothers and sisters are harmful and the consequences are so severe because legislators, politicians, folks can see that there is a divide between you and I. There is a divide in our community because it seems to me that we prefer to perceive ourselves as better than other Latinos. It seems to me that our internalized oppression is more than just language. It is the color of our skin. It is where we went to school. It is how much our parents made. If we're immigrants or not, can you imagine that? 
that our assimilation becomes more complete when we continue to compete against one another. This assimilationist ideal would have Latinos learn English and completely lose their Spanish-speaking ability. Also, the assimilationist ideal to make sure that you know fluent Spanish, right? Assimilate to the cultura, become one of us. Well, if you did grow up with the culture, think yourself lucky for that. But don't only use this as a source of embarrassment or criticism to others that did not have that opportunity. Julian Castro said it. It is all about survival work. Think about the places you've been where you become really conscious about your accent, conscious about the color of your skin, conscious about your name because it is so ethnic. In that internalized oppression, that criticism reveals so much about our heritage, but also about where we live. It reveals that we admit Latino inferiority and accept the notion that Latinos are different, right? And those that try to make us compete with one another, it is as if there is only one source of cultural pride for us. I'm here to tell you that there is not. And as I said a couple of minutes back, there are consequences to this sort of behavior where we're distancing ourselves from one another and distancing ourselves from a collective for the movement that we need to have our interest understood and valued. With that being said, I want us all to take a moment and recognize today that wherever you come from, Latino or not, that you should be proud about your culture, that you should recognize how far you've come, how far your family has come, and always count your blessings about what it means to be you, what it means to have your heritage, what it means to engage in actions that promote and empower your comunidad. With that being said, thank you for coming to our second episode of Guerreras. If you have any questions or some comments, something you'd like me to cover in the podcast, please make sure to send those to at Guerreras underscore CR in Instagram. Share us on Instagram, share us on Facebook, on your favorite social media, and I will see you later. Gracias por acompañarme a otro episodio de Guerreras. Thank you for accompanying me in another episode of Guerreras. And here, have a song that I just found. Hope you enjoy from a Chilean artist. If you know her, kudos to you.